Welcome to the Bucket and Hoosier Show, the podcast that's all about community and competitive Rocket League. If you're new to Rocket League, it's a high-flying, fast-paced game that combines soccer with rocket-powered cars. It's a game that's easy to pick up, but difficult to master. And that's where our guests come in. We're talking about the best of the best in the Rocket League community to learn about their journeys, strategies, and tips for success. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, we've got something for everyone. So sit back, relax, and join us as we explore the exciting world of competitive Rocket League. Join us live Monday evenings at twitch.tv forward slash Bucket and Hoosier and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to catch past episodes. Be sure to hit the follow and notification button so you know when new content has been posted. Are you a hard-charging, fast-moving gamer who needs a quick and healthy snack to keep you fueled for those long gaming sessions? Look no further than Savage Snacks. Our protein-packed Amaze Bites are just what you need to crush the day and stay at the top of your game. Made with high-quality ingredients and designed to give you a sustained energy, Savage Snacks are the perfect snack to keep you going through intense gaming sessions. And with just one bite, you'll be hooked. So head on over to savagesnacks.co slash Bucket and Hoosier today to grab your own Savage Snack and get free shipping. Go be happy. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back. Bucket and Hoosier, we are here. I'm Mr. Hoosier. He is Bucket. And as always, we start with Bucket. How are you doing? It's been a minute since we chatted. A minute, dude. It's been an hour. Uh, I don't even know when the last time was um, that we actually sat down and talked. I couldn't even tell you, but I've been all right. I've been super busy with the family and getting ready for schools almost back, all kinds of stuff like that. So uh, hopefully get back in the swing of things and start doing this again on a consistent basis. But the problem is we're about to lose a lot of the content that we like, right? Like RLCS is, is a kind of winding down. So. Um, it's winding down and the rumors that are circulating around are definitely something to talk about, which we will get to. We did get a good guest to talk about today. Um, but I wanted to chat with you first. What did you think of the major? I wish you had asked me this a week ago. I wish we would have had, an, uh, because I watched the yeah, whole right thing. Afterwards. I lost... So here, let me just tell you, this is how my weekend went. Every, and I've been building my bankroll of channel points. On, oh yeah, you lost a ton. On RLCS for a while and doing well, and I'd lost it all. I lost <laughs> every single one of them. And it was not because I felt like I was picking, making bad picks. It was just, there were so many things. There was a lot of unfortunate games they could have went one way or the other i think there was a lot of good competition there and honestly it looked like it was probably a lot of fun to be there i kind of wish i would have been able to to show up it did look like it was a fun one to go to and i wish i would have been able to go as well i mean the 12 minute overtime just so many overtime games and it definitely was down to the wire um but before we go any further um we have the one and only Mr. Raw Greg back here. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing good, boys. How you guys doing tonight? Um, Raw Greg! I mean, we're Dude, doing what's up, what's good. Up? You definitely you guys look like you had a fun time at the major. Oh, for sure. For sure. Not the way we uh wanted it to end or even start, but you know, we were happy we were there. 
yeah, it's not how you wanted it to end, but you guys still made a very good showing. I mean, all for NA, the NA overall, um, <laughs> definitely uh, in, in a rough spot, if, if I could yeah. describe it. Um, those EU teams are just, they're on another level, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, it was something that, um, not that we knew going in, but we knew that those EU teams were strong. Um, we didn't think that they were... I still don't think that they're extremely above NA, but I think that those top four teams that are over there are extremely good. Um, and they all have very, very distinct things about their play style that make them all like challenging in their own way to plan for. Um, so, yeah, it was it was definitely a good learning experience for us, for sure. Yeah, learning experience all around, I think, for everybody. Because even the, the MENA teams look, or R1 was looking really good for for how how well they did because usually in the past like mina they're strong in their region but then they would show up to lands and not be able to perform as well but uh who was no it was ninjas in pajamas that was a team that oh that was a south america team never mind yeah, yeah but but that's another one like ninjas in pajamas them coming out and that's another team now that looks like to not take lightly no not i mean they are there's three strong players on that team that's the thing is like the South American region in general, like when you look at their top four teams, even, I mean, you can go even below that. Like they have talent down there. So like everybody talks about NA consolidating and like all that nonsense. But um, Sam is another region that, you know, the more you start consolidating those talents, they're going to look a lot different. Yeah. I and mean, we heard about, we heard about South America a while ago because we had a um, Wi-Fi and he's coaching that region. He even said back then, like a year ago, he's like, you guys got to watch out for that. That that region is going to come up and surprise some people is what he was feeling. And they definitely uh, they definitely did that this time around, looking like they, uh, going forward, they're, they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. I mean, they're all fast. They're all extremely mechanical. Um, they're just talented. Like, you know, when you talk about like raw potential in a player, like they all have that raw potential and they're all hungry and they, they work extremely hard to do what they do. So you can't ever take those teams lightly ever, ever, ever. Um, I mean, that's in my opinion, still, I think it's the third region that you have to really, really like look out for compared to like, it's like EU NA, and then Sam, because I know everybody talks about, you know, Mina, but you got to look at the depth too. And I'm just not just like, you know, one through 16, I'm talking about even one through eight, one through five. And like, once I feel like once you get outside of Mina's like top four, I think there's a drop off. Whereas I think once you get out of Sam's top four, there's, it's still not a drop off. That makes sense. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's how I always kind of thought of it. Yeah. Mina's got like one or two really top teams that can compete. And then after that, it's just, it seems to be a crap shoot after that they've consolidated really well. Like all the best players are on the best teams. Like, and I, I'm sure, I'm sure. Okay. That there's going to be players that, you know, I'm, I'm forgetting to mention, but the top players in Mina are on the top teams right now. And I'm sure there's going to be some that come up that they're going to do it again. And, you know, maybe go to somewhere like rule one or even Falcons. But for right now, those like, even like twisted minds, like those top three teams, those are extremely strong teams. And I think it's going to be that way for a little bit. Yeah, NA is uh, in, in an awkward spot because uh, th what were they saying on first touch? I think they were saying on first touch they, they were they were kind of talking about those uh, along the lines like you were saying for Mina right now, and that Mina has consolidated into top teams, and that 
NA probably needs to do the same. Um, probably first talking point and rumors going around is this whole five month um, off season. That seems kind of wild to me and really leaves the door open for a lot of things to happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, rumors are rumors at this point. If, right. if it is true, if it is true, you hope that in that off season period that there is something for the players to do because it's not good for the esport. It's not good for the orgs to, you know, be sitting here for five months doing nothing. Um, yeah, so no maybe there's making any couple, money. Right. So, I mean, maybe they have something planned. I don't know, but you know, hopefully they have something prepared for next year. If that's what they end up doing, you know, we could end up starting in October and it wouldn't blow my mind or September. And it wouldn't blow my mind. Um, but if the rumors are true, then they're talking about what January start, a January um, start date. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like they got to have something in their heads that they're trying to do. Well, I feel like that, that is the way they're going because if you do a January start date, right. Then it kind of does bring it back to what everybody has kind of talked about this past year, which is not having three splits, but two. Okay. So then you go, you go to a winter and a spring and then you have worlds, which if you started in January, then put worlds like September, October ish. Okay. Is what I could think of. So it's almost like if this was to happen, the five month gap would only be this time around. And it would almost be shorter after that is the only thing that I can think of. Maybe, maybe they're trying to make way. Cause I think the one thing that we're missing here in rocket league in general is just those, those side events, like the side events in rocket league right now, they're not premier. I, I don't know how else to describe it, but like, it doesn't feel like these players are like, and you know, all respect to what Rizzo and James Bond are doing with the draw, but they're not LAN events, right? Like LAN events get people going. So right. I think that we're missing like the dream hacks. We're missing the, the e-leagues and, and like that type of stuff. But the problem is that we just don't have time for it. Like there's no, there's no point in this format right now, like going the past two years that you could sit there and, you know, logically plan out when we're going to do an e-league. It's not possible. So I think maybe like having time aside for like, those types of events would be big because that brought a ton of viewership to the esport. Like having, you know, even like the Universal Open back in the day and Dream Hacks and like even open qualifier Dream Hacks. You know how like hype people were to do an online qualifier and then you can qual into a LAN? That's what like that gets people going. Um, so maybe they'll do something like that. I don't know, but you, you still got to make sure that you plan. Like even if you're doing two splits, the only reason I could con like conceivably think about doing two splits, like the reason would be so you can have time for stuff like this. That would be awesome. Did, yeah, it makes sense. Bucket, what do you think? You've been pretty quiet over there. That's I'm just listening because it's super interesting. I really think that the season is so long. Do you, do you think that this is happening because, or there's even a conversation around it, because there's just not enough time in between or because... It's just too long of a grind. Like, what is, what problem are we trying to solve? I guess is what I'm trying to figure out just for by listening to you guys. I don't even know what the problem is. It could be what I'm saying. It could also be, I think that one of the major problems that, you know, these world teams have faced is that they go to worlds 
and then maybe like even this year you go to gamers eight in saudi arabia and then you come home and then in three weeks you play again and it's like how you don't have a break so you know for a you know for a bubble player their off season began at the end of the spring at you know regional three and even arguably regional two because some of them just couldn't make regional three based off points um so their off season is super super long but what about world's players and i think that maybe they're trying to solve an issue where these teams aren't having breaks because it's been a straight grind for you know months and months and months and years um maybe that's one problem but i think the other thing is they're trying to bring another i, I hope you know they're trying to bring in other ways to you know market the esport it could be you know outside of psionics it could be dreamhack it could be i don't know a ton of different spots that you could uh see yeah so player fatigue a little bit um maybe and and the difference between because a lot of other sports where they have a minor league or whatever i know it's not a, a parallel exactly but they'll kind of finish up around the same time more or less right like there's a little bit of difference in the yeah. playoffs and whatnot but that's a really long time and no motivation for these bubble players to really grind it out any longer than that um minus on their own not in a team format or anything like that so there's a lot to be to be had here to make this thing a lot cleaner but yeah it's just interesting that they choose to make a they haven't chosen anything but we'll see kind of how they want to balance going from one one way to another because there's going to be one long break or something is going to have to give at the end of the day. Yeah. So hopefully it doesn't take away from the momentum that's being built um, around the eSport right now. I still think there is a lot of momentum. I do so. I do so. I think that, you know, eSports is just in a weird spot in general right now. Like, I think COVID did wonders for everything that was going on in eSports. Like, we were all at home. We all had to, like, figure out something to do. Twitch took off. Um, and then eSports took off just because of it. Um, but now like it, it's starting to return to normal, right? Like it, we could almost say that it is basically normal. Um, and I think that because of that, you get a little bit of eyes off of it, but there's still a lot of, um, eyes on the esport from people that, you know, just love to watch competitive gaming. And I think that rocket league is one of those things that I think once you get hooked on it, it's very, very hard to get hooked off of it. Like with other esports, they, they can come and go, but like, Rocket League is one that like you follow. You want to see the teams. You want to see the people come in. It's it's very grassroots. Um, so I, I hope it continues to grow, and I think that you know continuing the momentum through the off season would be huge. It'd be very big. Well, yeah, I think it the, leads into. I think esports is uh, just in general, like you're talking about. There's a lot of bearish outlooks on esports, yeah. meaning it's just the sentiment overall. I, I don't think it's necessarily Rocket League, but yeah, there's that's something you have to contend with, right? Like there's there's not a lot of money or there's there's orgs losing money. And so it's difficult to like really put all the pieces in that need to be had. So I think that's really well said. It makes a lot of sense. Go ahead, Hoosier. Well I think it is a money thing. Um kind of like Greg talked about. Everything took off with COVID, right? In COVID there was a lot of extra money being thrown around. And yep. I think this is something that a lot of people, they don't, they're maybe because it's so young, they haven't looked at it in this light, but right now, yeah, there's, there's not enough money to go around and your, your demographic is not people who have money. Yeah, so, it's true. So we're, we're talking about the, 
I think some, the thing we keep talking, that we want to talk about, what we don't know the information on, right? Player contracts, all these contracts that players signed back in 2020, 2021, um, is, I think, now coming home to roost on the orgs and they're they i i need money i i need i need guaranteed money is what what they're yep. getting at which is the the other rumor going around in that there's going to be with this break does it now go to franchising which greg what you were describing with the having the other events outside of rlcs it feels like a little bit of old school, old school RLCS could potentially be making a comeback and then maybe they do the right thing and they do keep some money in the bubble scene and having some of the still, uh, open qualifier events at different lands and whatnot. Maybe, but I, I, I don't see how you can. So the, the weird thing for me is it's like, this is going to be an insane analogy. So you guys are ready for this? It's it. like we the open format is like a taste of freedom, right? Yeah. And the the entire bubble and the community in general is, is used to this open format now. And as much as people want to complain about it, like you can make it in this open format because technically it's open. If you are extremely good at the game and you find two other people extremely good at the game, you can get into the RLCS and then you can become a mainstay. Correct. If you franchise it, you're going back to like a dictatorship. It becomes like we're now we've had a taste of it. If you swing it the other way, I, I don't know how I don't know how it'll work. Like, and that's kind of what I was even talking about with you guys last time too. Like, it's just it's a very very daunting topic to introduce franchising into an esport because, as far as money goes, as far as orgs go, as far as like, um, you know, even sponsorships go, it's great, but it is not player friendly. Ever. No, it's not player friendly. I'll agree with you one hundred percent on that. But I think that. Yeah, as everything else is kind of in this world, it comes down to the dollar, right? The dollar yep. amount, who's making money. And yep. if I'm somebody like NRG right now, for the last couple of splits, my name hasn't been up there. So why would I keep my org in your eSport right now? Well, this, this, is, where, this is where I go with this too. I think we're at this, okay. We're at a, a weird point in eSports in general where, what we need to do is evaluate players based on, you know, how good they are. Right. Right. And this is where, like, I had an interesting talk about teammates, like with teammates about this is <laughs> some people look at it and they go, if you're winning, you're good. Right. If you're winning, everything's good in your world. And that's how the casters will view it. That's how the professional fans will view it. But is your org good with it? No, because what's making money for your org? Maybe you win a tournament, Right. But now, because you win that tournament, they got to pay you a little bit more money. What are you doing for them to help make like generate ad revenue? These professional players and these orgs, especially in Rocket League, if you want Rocket League to take off, we need to do a better job advertising our players. And, and I, this is like a quote that I'll say to the end of days, separate the player from the car. I, I can't stand it, but sometimes you look at a player and you just associate them with a car, a design, and a nameplate. Oh, 100%. But there, are but there are certain players that you don't do that with. Certain. Rattles, maybe Rattles. Garrett G. Yes. They, they, they right? have a persona. Yes. And, and how important is that for their fans? It's how huge. important is that for the eSport? And how important is that for their earning potential to an org? Because the org looks at them and they go, I would sign this player not because we, at a certain point, we don't even care if they're winning. 
Right. We care if they're bringing us what we need them to bring us, which is eyes on, right? Because at the end of the day, esports right now is, hey, can we get a sponsorship to help, you know, fund what we're doing? You know, if you get if you get sponsorships on your jersey, they're paying to advertise on you. So it's helpful to be at Lands, but it's helpful to have a stream. It's helpful to have your face shown because then now it's something like, oh, Reynolds. And now let's say it's associated with Mountain Dew or Razor like we have. Right now, that's good for Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew says, love you, Optic. We're good. But if you're winning tournaments and they can't see you, what does that sponsorship do? Correct. And I think that's where we, we have to go into this spot right now where we're talking about how to make money. And this is where I disagree with a lot of the community about what makes, like, what makes a successful team. What makes a successful team is whatever you think you set your expectations to. You know, we used to play Madden franchise mode in NBA 2K. Okay. Yeah. And let's just say you're playing the Philadelphia 76ers in 2000, I don't know, 14. What is your goal? Is your goal to win? No. Your goal is to make money eventually, but you're trying to blow it up and you're trying to, you know, trust the process so you can get Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Well, so I, right now we're at this. Go on. No, I was going to say, even like you talked about Reddles being that example and going off of what T Bates says, right? T Bates, like, well, it's, it, it, you have to win. How many times he's not G- like that though? How many times did G2 win? And yet everybody knew Rizzo. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves Rizzo. Yep. He was he you signed him to your team? Huge. Same thing and that that was also uh that was also the same thing with Squishy Muffins, right? Squishy is a fantastic player, but him coming to NRG, like you said, he brought his YouTube channel, his huge following with him. It it was it, it was just it was perfect for them. It's not enough to just be a professional player anymore. No. And I think that's like in 2020 and 2021, maybe. Do you right th- now. Do you think it's fair to keep to keep putting that then? Okay. Would you say that the the age limit should be raised then? Because is that something to put on a Daniel on a beast mode who are still trying to find themselves in life? Is it fair to give a kid? Okay. This is, uh, that's a really good question. First of all. Is it fair to give a kid a hundred thousand dollars and say spend it wisely? No. I don't know, right? But you know, <laughs> we're at the point where we're giving kids a lot of money, and at a certain point, it is when you you know it's like the same thing when an NBA player comes out like you know out of high school. He's eighteen years old. He's in a locker room with thirty-two year olds that have millions of dollars. It's very very difficult for them because they went from high school into this. And I think that you know, for kids in Rocket League, it's the same thing. They're fifteen years old. Now, all of a sudden, you're dealing with kids that are 19. And I, and I know you guys remember, like, when you were 15, if you looked at an 18-year-old at 15, you thought he was the coolest dude ever. And you were like, wow, that guy's insane. Like, that's the level of, like, reverence you hold for these people. I think. Right. But if you're at that point, right, and they're saying, hey, you're not on the freshman team anymore. You're on varsity. You are held to that standard. So if you're given that money and you sign a contract that's worth that, you should be held accountable for it. And I think that right now we're at the point where market yourself, start a YouTube, being a professional player is not just competing. It's just, it. it's my viewpoint on it. And I think that if the more and more people get that through their heads and they view like what is successful, if it's just winning, okay, if it's just winning, then you're going to have like, your org will set that for you. But if your org is up front with you and saying, hey, this is what we need from you guys, then you know what you're trying to do. At the end of the day, every single person that walks into, you know, the match is like, I'm trying to win. And you know, you don't think about anything else besides winning, but there's other stuff that once it's over, okay, Hey, we need to be doing this because this is our job. 
Like we're lucky enough to make a certain amount of money. You can't just go out there and compete and think you're deserving of all this money. So it's more like UFC than it is like baseball in that regard, right? Like it's more like an entertainment outside of the game itself where you have to create because those things have been around for so long. Maybe that's what, maybe that's a good comparison. Baseball, football, basketball, there's storylines created just over time. There's rivalries created over time in rocket league and RLCS. That's not the case. So the same thing with like UFC and all of those things, they have to create that hype. They have to be, have personalities in order to make it. So people come and watch it. If we're not going to come and watch because I'm a diehard fan of this game, I'm going to come and watch because these teams or these two guys are going head to head and their personalities draw me in. And that is really, really good point. I've never really tried to make that comparison before but i can kind of see what you're saying that you can't just be a good rocket league player you have to be a great rocket league player with a personality whether that's uh whether that's a, a hero a villain outgoing or just a streamer whatever you have to have some intangible thing an x factor to make it in that top 50 players who are going to be seen by the cameras well you even said like, so you're saying mlb nba they just they're just storyline franchises but if you go back to it like look at lakers and the celtics that wasn't just yep. storyline franchises that was shit being talked back and forth people who had rivalries with each other through a long time and that's where it got created it's the same thing it just it stuck around a little longer but even in the nba that's not there anymore because everybody they rode those coattails forever and then now it's not happening so well and one of the one of the interesting things about what you're saying too is that like boston and la you know even in basketball it one of the problems that i think rocket league has and i think that sports has in general is that when players start moving around too much Mm -hmm. right it's difficult to be a fan of the team unless you are from that city right so if i'm a cleveland cavs fan you know which i am I'm sorry. i it doesn't matter who's on my team i'm a cleveland cavaliers fan but i may be in the minority now but in rocket league let's say i love g2 and i'm like oh my god all my favorite players are that i got Cronovi, i got rizzo i got j naps and all of a sudden i look at them again i'm like holy hell what happened or I'm a fan of uh, Moist because I love Rise, Joy, and Vatira. And I look at Moist again. I'm like, whoa, it was how long ago that that team was together? That's kind of what's disappointing about the three of them breaking up the way they did. Because if you want to talk about a group of three who could yeah. have created the storylines, they were it. And yes, it absolutely. Just, it just it fell apart. And it's kind of sad to see it. I agree. And th th that's what I'm saying, though. And that's why, like there's a certain level of sometimes your org and you got to start thinking on what is mattering to you right now. I understand winning is everything. Like you will never talk to me about how winning isn't everything, but there are certain things that matter in a team environment that trust is a big thing. And when you have a revolving door of players, it is hard to build trust. It is hard to build fans. It's hard to generate revenue. It, it, I like I to me, it's it's so easy to see, but but we continually just sit there and say this player needs to be kicked, this player needs to be kicked. We need to consolidate <laughs> here, and then it's like, okay, what were we talking about last year? 
a completely different topic. You guys just want to talk about whatever, but the same stories were being had when NRG made worlds. Everybody wanted to see NRG. When NRG goes live, if you look at their viewer counts, it's insane. Right. Look at Squishy right now. Squishy goes live and there's like seriously 1.1K waiting. Like that matters. And and I'm sure that Squishy is not tripping at all because if Squishy didn't have his content and it's like his YouTube, his Twitch, he might be in a little bit of trouble. He's a great player, but he's a great player that has an insane YouTube and an insane Twitch. Do you think an org is looking at Squishy going, hey, I think we could build something? Uh-huh. 100%. But some of these players are like, I'm so good at the game. Why don't I get a chance? You got to make that for yourself by yourself. It's not just it's not just as simple as, you know, you know, one of the things people told me is like they always talk about, you know, my team with Rattles and AJ. They get to see Rattles and AJ every day. But what about Magic Bear? And so people will sit there and point the finger at, you know, Magic Bear a lot. But it's because they don't see him. They don't have that personality to connect to. They don't hear what he's saying. So they're just like, well, it's, it's probably MB. Why? But, if you know, the more and more they start realizing that maybe he's not the issue. Okay. But having that visibility is good for the fan too, because if you start generating trust in the fans and let's just say MB says, I don't, you know, like, I think we're a really, really good team. Then nobody talks about it. But instead you have a little bit of silence on one end and it's trouble. With NRG, nobody even questioned it. It was just Garrett, Justin, Squishy. Humongous, humongous names. Everybody loved them. There was a group of fans that were like, stay together forever. We don't even care if you're top 64. Then there's another group that's like, kick everybody. But which one do you really want? It's, it's branding, though. That's right. what you're it saying. Is. You're talking about personal branding, and that is huge everywhere right now. Whether it's it your uh, physical business, your your social stuff, whether it's whatever it is, your personal brand has to be built. If you've built a large network, that's helpful. If you've built a huge personality, that's helpful. But if you just sit in the wings and try to say, I have talent, there's, it's like when you, when a hundred people go out for the same job and they all have the same talent, like, who are you going to pick? You're going to pick the dude you, you had a cool conversation with or what, you know what I mean? Like the guy that just stood out and you have to stand out. And it's the same, yep. like the parallel to the UFC or whatever fighting is so crazy because they have orgs, but no one remembers the org that the guy was a part of. They just remember that this guy was the, ch- was that guy, like, yep. uh, all of them so it's the it's the individual and then you can become part of a team and then that team can can win or or do what they need to do so this is a pretty interesting topic to be honest with you and i've there i feel like we're just scratching the surface of it and i really and i do just want to say real quick that like i'm not saying that some teams don't need to make a change some teams do need to make a change like that's it's just the nature of the beast that we're you know we're in because at a certain point if you don't win enough, you got to go. Like, it's just because then you're actually not helping. It doesn't matter how big your brand is. But I still think that we, we just don't talk enough about a lot of what, you know, even coaching. Like, it's just helping mentor in the right direction what they need to do. Like, you know, being a professional player is, again, I, I talked about it with you guys last time. It's a lot of on-field stuff, but it is so much off-the-field stuff. It's like, how am I, how am I staying active in the scene for a long time? How am I able to like increase my stock? How am I able to get what I need to like, how can I accomplish what I need to accomplish on the field and then translate it to off the field? Because that equals success. That's money. 
you talk about somebody like LeBron James, right? LeBron James has on the court success. He translates it off the court. He starts, you know, his own, like he's got his agency. He's buying sports teams. He's investing. Cool. Now we have a person that's around in the scene for a long time. You have people like, you know, Delonte West. Okay. May has a great career. I think he was an all-star. Look at him. He was on the streets. Right. You have to be able to translate this into off the field or else they're going to eventually you will sit there and say, you're not good enough. And what else can you offer us? And if it's nothing, you're in trouble. So, and, and that's, yeah. Papa Rizzo brings up a good point. He says, is it up to the org to promote their name and team? Um, look at V1. Uh, though, 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 those are great kids. It was the org that brought it, brought in the fans by things they do. And I think it's a yes. combination of the two. If you yes. rely on the org to do it, then you now owe the org more. Um, because they're having to expand, expand, uh, divvy out resources to get to that point. Whereas I, I want to say I'm shocked, but I'm not shocked at the same time. Cause you brought up LeBron, LeBron, if, if he's the goat at anything, it was what him and his friends did coming out of high yeah. school. They each took a position and one went to business school, one went to media and they did it together and built that empire as, yep. as a group. <clears throat> and I've like, it just came to my thought. We haven't seen a player do that where it's like, say they have, cause like they all talk about content creating is hard. Bucket and I have realized that in the last year, it, it takes time and resources. Well, instead of shouldering it all on yourself, build yourself a team of people that are doing it. And yeah. then you guys can reap the benefits on the back end. It, I agree. Look at what Sunless Khan is doing. Like, I think that what he's doing is amazing. I don't think it gets talked about enough. He started his own org. He's paying Rocket League people. He's giving back to the community. He's got to mean the team. You know, I mean, I think what he does for the community is insane. I think that level of like, you know, staying around, like even if, you know, you're still creating content, but now you have your own org to, you know, help represent the community. That's a big thing to do. And I think like even what Papa Rizzo is saying is that, you know, version one could, they could sponsor the hell out of those kids. Good. If that's how version one wants to make money, that's good. But it has to be on all of them too. You know, maybe somebody like Torment at the time, like, you know, he's not somebody that was all in the, um, in the media eye, like people didn't know what torment was like personality wise, but version one did a good job of bringing it to light. They took calm and they had him on that cooking show. It's an amazing way to get to know calm. Hilarious. But, but the thing is, is that, is that a ton of resources? I don't know, but I'm saying, I think that we could do more. Like the orgs could do more for sure. Okay. Yeah. Cause I think he kind of pointed out, he's like, some orgs don't even tweet about their team, which is true. Like you, you have true. a team going to play and, you don't even see anything coming out about, Hey, our team's playing this today. Like I, I, one that I've always had a problem with is Tim, the tap man. He is part owner of complexity and not once in the last year has he ever even said on his stream, Oh man, our team is playing this weekend. Yep. Like he has, in my opinion, vested interest in saying something about that. Mm -hmm. Cause at this point it's like, why are you even a part owner of a team then? You're, you're not even talking about them. I was just, oh, I'm part owner of an org. That's cool. You don't do anything about it. Right. I think... Hold on, I'm chewing real quick. No, you're but, good. No, I think at the end of the day, like, 
we just have to do like again this goes back full circle we just need to do better advertising our players period it's 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 a community responsibility number one it's and uh, you know this might be controversial it's a psionics responsibility oh 100 okay. percent. i have I, I have huge Arthur. problems with them okay and i'm not saying i love what they do for us but if you want to grow the esport the best the best way to do it is you grow your personalities it's just it was a problem that baseball had for years they did not have a personality from like 2010 to whatever that was marketed the right way they were keeping highlights off of twitter and at that point you have to look at mlb and go well what are we doing now they're letting it on twitter good because now you're starting to catch up but the nba was ahead of it way earlier Rocket League is the same. Like COD is one of the ones that you have to look at and say, okay, was the franchising thing a success? No, the players don't love it, but is it good for the esport? Probably. Are all the players represented and advertised extremely well? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's phenomenal. So I just think that Rocket League has an opportunity, and I think that we as a community have an obligation to get their faces out there more, brand yourself, and then you can win. We talk about again, we talk about winning all you want. There are certain teams that when they win. It doesn't feel the same. And I'm not trying to say anything, but look at BDS. Like, I'm talking about BDS last year. They won Worlds. The people weren't even sitting in the crowd, and it's not because BDS isn't a good team. It's because they didn't have that fan pool where you're like, I got to see that team win. We also had planes to catch. Because they're beating our guys that we love to watch win. What'd you say? We also had planes to catch. I mean, yeah, well, we had, <laughs> that was a, a very late day. But look at it but was. in the same way, Monkey Moon. But you're right, though. Right? If there was a team that you you cared about, a player or a personality or someone on the team, would you have maybe thought about staying? A hundred percent, I would have. Look at Farah. I was about to say, look at Farah. Everybody knows Farah, right? And he did one thing, and the entire <laughs> crowd was like, "Up, oh, we love Farah. We love him. He's the best." That's that's yeah. He's the best coach of all time. He's probably <laughs> the goat coach. When you think about it, in terms of coaches, he's probably the best of all time. In one speech. That's how little effort it took. That's insane. That's mm -hmm. how little we're doing. Yeah. And that's all I'm saying. If, if, if a team, that's why like when NRG won and Justin was on stage and you saw like, okay, cool. Justin's crying. Garrett's crying. You didn't care that like, you were looking at them as a human. You're like, holy hell, I've been following this guy forever. You cared to see that human being win. And the more and more us as marketers and us as, you know, the community, we just have to get behind that. Psionics, Epic, the orgs, the players, they all need to be able to do it because if they want to grow this esport and have it be really sustainable, we can't just sit there and start pointing fingers at other people. Yeah. Start with yourself. Start with yourself and then say, hey, I'm doing this. And then let's just say a player does that. Talk to your org. Okay. Now the org does this. Let's say version one hosts, you know, Gen G hosts an after like a watch party. Cool. Now the orgs are doing it. Now you have different org watch parties that you can go to. Now Psionics, you look at all the attention you have here because the orgs are in it. You do something. It's a train. You have to run it like that or else it, everybody's going to be pointing fingers. Well, you guys aren't doing anything. Well, okay, well, you're not. Okay. We well, yeah, it. Like you brought up Sunless Con. Literally, the reason Mina even has the attention that it does, it was all, all almost all of it was based off of his Falcons video run. Was it coming coming up to Worlds? Or it was a major. Yeah. It was a major. I believe that he was doing. But was it? Yeah, 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 I think it was. It was one of the majors last year. But he did that and everyone's like, oh my God, yeah, I love this. Like it was, it got so many people invested in it. And then we just, yeah, we just don't see it. So I kind of agree with you. Then what's the, 
if the rumor of franchising is to be believed, then it's not gain, it's not helping anything other than just the org's bottom line. Yeah. It's not good. I don't know if the franchising is real. I if I would doubt it. I'm just saying I doubt it. But okay. um, all I know is that there are, there are things in this community that make everybody say, this is why I watch Rocket League, and almost none of it has to do with the gameplay. I have a question for you. Go for it. So, you know, you have Roger Goodell. He's the head of the NFL. You have the commissioner of baseball. Who's the commissioner of RLCS? I mean, you gotta say it's Murdy Scheist, probably right. He's probably like he's probably like the the big dog in charge, and I would I would say Scheist. Okay, I that's an I, I as someone who has watched Rocket League for a long time, that's the first time I've heard of that name. I can honestly say that. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I see what you're saying there. So, it, but we it, don't really have like orgs like with like a. You know, it's not like they're like this giant like coalition of orgs. Right. And like he has to be like representing them. I mean, maybe in a franchise league, I'm sure there would have to be. But, I mean, but even in your tournament, if you're if you're the one at the, the head of it, you you it's kind of along the same lines, right? Of players putting themselves out there more. It'd be like, Hi, I'm here. I am the person that's that that the buck stops with me. Yep. I, again, I love what all those guys do. I really, really do. I just wish that they would be a little bit more communicative about what's going on. That's all. Correct. Even if it's just the orgs, it doesn't have to be to the it doesn't have to be the general public. Okay, and and that's and that's tough. Just let the players and the orgs know what's going on before you randomly spark something on us that's two months away from happening. But other than that, they do like they try. They really, really do. But I think that there just needs to be a very, very big attention on what can be expected. And you know, they were doing this roadmap forever. Right, remember yes, they started the that thing where they're like, "Oh, we're doing a roadmap." I don't know what happened to that. It, they did it one time, and we were all like, "Yay, they're listening!" And then all of a sudden, it was like, "Oh, where's the roadmap?" But well, then it's kind of it along the same lines about. with the with the website. It was the big video of, "Yeah, we're going to revamp the website," and then that never happened. Yep, uh, you're again, right. They they yeah. they they just how can you expect not you guys in general, but how can they be expected to? make a great game that's their bread and butter and then also make a great system for an esport right it's a that's i don't hard. know how they're taking on both things at the same time no you're right and that that's what i was going to say is that you know these guys at the end of the day they're video game developers and their game blew up right like for real their game blew up into the stratosphere where they're like we need to hire more people we need to get bought out we need to we need to it just it keeps growing and i think at a certain point like we do have to remember that you know there are people that are in charge of the esports side of it that have nothing to do with the game. And there are people that have to do with the game that have nothing to do with the esports side. I just think that right now we're at a point where we gotta know what's going on. That's all. Just we gotta know what's going on and we just gotta advertise better because this is a great game. We all know it. Like us three on this podcast of people, you know, that watch the game, it's the best esport. It really, really is. It's the most skill based, um, no RNG, no BS game. And it's just a true test of skill and synergy. But why, you know, we need to, we need to see take like we need to see it take off, and we need to have casual eyes on it. We need to see hype like fans on it, and that just goes into the whole conversation. Of what we're talking about is that sometimes winning is great, but winning is temporary, and I, I mean it. 
Yeah, it's very temporary, especially. Look at that. It, yeah, sorry. No, it's like like you were saying, yeah, winning is temporary. It's it, We haven't, ever since Dignitas, we haven't seen another team just straight dominate in, in a while. It just with, it hasn't been with there. With the pool that, too, though. The, yeah, the pool grew a huge ton after that. Well, well even like, but look at KDOT. He's one of the biggest streamers in France. Yeah, I always have to remember that. So, like his pool so, isn't even winning yeah. and winning money and playing Rocket League. It's his pool is again his persona. Exactly, and and then you had Violent Panda and you had Turbo, who Turbo was a personality. Totally. So then, even though they were the the villain, they were this hilarious villain that you're like, God damn it, they're winning. But <laughs> you knew them, and you're like, okay, good. Like they're like they're they're the goats. But when you but have they like both X have socials and a brand, like you were. Just but then when you about. look, yeah, you look at Extra. He just won a world championship last year. He's off of a team. Like that's how short it is. If you do not build it, that's how short it is. Win a world championship, you're a world. He's a world champion right now, right now. LFT. Dad's yeah, that's wild to think about. Like that. That's why I'm saying that I, I don't care what First Touch says. I don't care what Chalkcast says. Build yourself a brand. Yeah. Build yourself a brand. Grab your fans. Win. Always win. Okay, improve your game. But if you don't have the other parts of your game right now, then esports orgs would not care about you. Your your bottom line is going to suffer. Do you think it's the same for coaches? Yes. And I was I was actually talking to Wi Fi about it at Land. I met him, and I told him, he was like, "How do you get into coaching?" And it was like, the, it's just a funny question that like I always think about like when somebody's going to ask me that, and every single time it's a different answer. I don't know. But the coaches that get jobs sometimes don't deserve jobs because they have a brand on social media. I didn't have a brand on social media at all. I was lucky enough to, you know, have talked to players, like I said, like that, you know, respected what I said. But right. that's, I feel like I'm a very, very one-off story. Whereas like, if you're a really, really good Rocket League coach and you're trying to say, I'm the best Rocket League coach, how do you prove that? That's kind of I don't what know. I've always wondered. Like, is there's no, it's, it's not like there's, there's no road to it. Yeah, there's no road to it. It's not like, say, football, right? Where you could go be, you could get in as a college coach and then your team wins and then you get a shot at the big leagues. Like, that's just not a yep. thing right now. You can still build a resume, though, of, of players and trophies and things like that. But when you're doing that, you have to make an impact. And I think that, that I don't think you're one off, Greg. I think you made an impact on people in a certain way at the right time. And whether or not yeah. someone has to grind out to make that impact over time and then a player down the road in a year or two is like, who who do you who who helped you the most throughout your career? And they mention your name, they drop your name, boom, your brand starts to build. So you have to build that. But I think impact as a coach, like who did you impact and how did you impact them is, is your resume. But I think, I think the question that it's still the hard part is that, you know, now that I'm here, it's easy to say that, but how do you get to where I'm at is, is the problem. Luckily you know what I mean? Like, I, like you can sit there and say building trophies and stuff and building a resume, but with what tournament for a bubble coach? Well, you don't even have to start there though. I mean, I was just asked, I'm in a network of like dads and all these other groups and I get requests all the time 
for me to come do replay reviews and this and that. And I'm not even cons- considering right. myself a coach, but people like the way, because I've casted before yeah. and I've talked to people before, that I articulate the game to them and break it down into like uh, compared to other sports or have these little quirks to say, don't do that or do this and how to say it and like get it in their heads. Like I just have a natural way of explaining that to people as a coach and other things and mentor that I get asked to do that. So I've built a brand around those things and I'm not even trying to. So you can do That's it true. if That's you true. if you have the like you still have to have the skill to do it. I mean, you can put in all the work you can, but you have to go do some research, you have to have some experience in life and some other things. I'm just saying you don't have to necessarily be like I, I coached a bubble team and they made it here. You have to start somewhere and, and make an impact. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree. I, I, I just hope that, you know, coaches coming up, it's something that, you know, I think we are still at its infancy in Rocket League. I think coaching is something that, you know, even when I first got into it at United, nobody even knew what they wanted to do as a coach. Not all, <clears throat> like, not all Rocket League teams had coaches. Like, that's where we were at. Right. But then the more and more, like, you know, this year, you know, I hired Kevpert as my analyst. And it was like, all of a sudden, we were in scrims, and there's four teams that had analysts. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at it going, okay. But because they don't know what they, we don't know what it's needed in Rocket League yet. It's that, it's that young, right? And I think that we're, we're at a point where coaches are more than just tacticians. Like, you know, Sathew has always told me, and, you know, I respect Sathew a ton as far as a coach as far as just a human being, he always talks about, there's like, there's two parts. It's, you know, you have to have your tactics, but you have to have man management too. And some people can do the tactics. And if you listen to them and they just tell you how to play the game, you're like, okay, I'm pretty good. But the man management part of it is, Hey, handling your players on a daily basis. When something goes wrong, there's not like, that's a skill. And if you don't have that skill on how to help your players through life or adversity in general, that's a struggle too. And I think that's where it goes. Your connection thing too, where, building those meaningful connections throughout my career, even as just like a bubble player, it was big for me, but I'm, you know, I was blessed enough to have made the right connections at the right time to get me to where I am right now. But talking to other people, it's tough because it's like, at the end of the day, if you want to get to a spot where I'm at, you had to have made the right connections. And I'm not saying getting into a relationship with somebody for the need to have a connection. It's just doing the right thing consistently. And then those people go, Oh yeah, no, Greg helped me. And this is who I would pick. Okay, that's good. But I think that so many people try to say, they, they try to latch on to something where they're like, oh, this is my player. And then you don't get anywhere. Or, right. you know, it, it's tough. It's just coaching is the hardest thing to get into right now because at a certain point, a, a pro player could retire and just take your job. Unless right. you're yeah, a yeah, really, right. really good coach. Right? And like, so I, I feel I feel like I have, you know, the respect of my players enough where like you know even if somebody crazy went to them they would say probably like we probably still want greg and, and i'm thankful for them for that but there are some coaches that they look at and they might go hey I, this guy was a former player he's he's been in this like format let's do it and that sucks because that's how little we know about coaches and that's how little that players know how they want to be coached because they just say oh pro player really really good he knows about the game perfect Whereas coaching is way deeper than that. Way right. deeper. It, you don't, and, and you do see in other sports, players become coaches, but you, there's a, there's a mix between people who have come up in the coaching world, people that retire and play, but not every yeah. player 
can make a good a coach. coach. And not yes. and most coaches would not even be a good player. They can maybe explain things or help with the man management and all these things, but they can't physically go out there and and run the forty yard dash. Or, you know what I mean? They can't do it, but they can they can help you get the most potential out one way yes. or the other. Yes. How do you feel? I don't know if we talked about this before. On there's this kind of new wave, just kind of what you were saying uh, with Kepper is like a new wave of like mental coaches in that, that we've talked to a few. Do you, have you seen those coaches around? Are they coaching yeah. them like teams or are they uh, another part of it? Like what's the, what's the, the temperature out there on that? Well, so one of the things that I wanted to do, this is like, a, give you a little backstory is that, you know, after winter we were struggling. Right. And I, I wanted to find a way to help my team. And I looked at, I started reading books on sports psychology. I was watching a ton of coaching interviews with like Mike Tomlin and um, just coaches that, you know, have achieved things. John Wooden had a book and it's interesting to read about like, you know, bettering yourself as a coach, but a lot of them attributed their success to the coaches around them. And it was interesting because I'm thinking from a Rocket League standpoint, well, what does a Rocket League team need? Right? Like I can be the head coach and I can be really, really good at what I do, but maybe my team needs mental help and they just need to like be put in a situation where, Hey, we need to talk about this problem. We have like a team therapist. Okay, cool. Maybe that's what, what a sports psychologist would do. Preparing on game day for getting into the zone, preparing like, you know, off the field and, you know, making sure they form their bonds. Then you could think about, okay, what if I had somebody to help me do what I do tactically? So I juggled a lot of that. And I think the mental coaches are extremely important. I, I think that you're going to start seeing more coaching staffs. That's all I can say. I, I really do feel like, you know, I attribute so much of my success to the way that Kev stepped in and helped me organize everything. Like you talk about a guy that gets no credit, but he is, he stepped in, handled everything beautifully and never, never stepped on anybody's toes. Just said, Greg, what do you need me to do? Boom. Okay. Did it. And then all of a sudden he becomes a voice in the locker room as well. We're like, the players will go to me for things. and The players will go to Kev for things. That's a good thing. And that doesn't, you know, the respect level that we have for each other, it shouldn't be like, oh, they're going to Kev for that. Oh, no, no, it's a team. It's just like if I said something to AJ and Ronald's like, oh, you don't say that to me. That would never happen because we all know that we're in this together. So if he goes to Kevin and says, hey, I need you to make me a training pack. You know, that's what Kevford's good at. He has training plans. I, I'm not good at that, but I know right. he is. So it's good to have that person with you. And I think mental coaches are the same way. If you are a tactician at heart and you're like, hey, I'm not good at man management, get yourself a mental coach that can help you handle that. Maybe you just need help articulating your thoughts. He can help you prepare that. It's but, interesting, like, because you say that, because we've had now two guests that we've had on the show in the past year. Professor Sports Psych, he got signed to Moist for Isaac, Rocket yeah. League. And then uh, uh, Karen and her husband, they just recently signed to Liquid. And I know they weren't at the major, great. but... Um, we actually just had them on not, not that long ago, back just last month. Actually, it, we had them on They're like, yeah, we just signed to a Rocket League team, but we can't say who it is yet. And then like a week or so later, it was Liquid. And even talking with them, we're like, what, what's your first, like, this is your first Rocket League team. And they've said they've dealt with a few Rocket League players. They quickly pointed out, they're like, it's, it's young compared to any of the other esports. Yep. And, and that comes with its own problems. Right. Lots of them, yeah. And some of these guys that are coaches, that want to be coaches, are young. 
Right. And like, so like, I think, you know, it's weird for me to say that this is a benefit, but I'm 29. That's a benefit to me to, to coach younger kids because I'm not, they're not worried about me taking their spot. They're not worried about, it's just, I'm coaching them. I'm trying to make them better and I'm trying to mentor them. So they look at me as older and that, that has a respect level attached to it too, because again, they're young kids, but like, you know, if if your coach is, yeah, but if your coach is 18 years old and your player is 20, like, I'm sure I'm not saying that that's impossible, but it's, it's definitely harder. And I think that, you know, again, shout out Karen. I, I seriously, I love what she does, her and her husband. I seriously think they are amazing. They and are. that was one of the people I was looking at extremely, extremely closely to. <laughs> yeah, we had like them and they were amazing. amazing. That was a wild conversation. They had a yeah, lot of good, 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 good points. I they are so smart. Times. Yeah, there was so much to unpack. And we only we talked to them for like an hour. Flat, like It was super impactful. And I think a lot of people could get a lot just from... Yep. I don't know. They have a lot of resources all over, but there's there's some overarching themes. But having those people in your corner, and I I like the what you said, having a staff. You think of any even high school level sports have a pitching coach or a defense yes. coach or whatever on all these things that have a little specialty. It doesn't have to get that nitty gritty in Rocket League, but if you have some support on things that can help you. Um, kind of put that onto another coach and other people are coming to them for that. That's just going to free up the burden of things that you don't have the time to necessarily like really dive into and then give all of this back. And I think the return on those investments are going to be big and you guys are going to see that like you're saying in the, into the future. The sign of a well-coached team. It's like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that video of when Tony Parker is with Greg Popovich and he goes to him during a timeout and Tony Parker, Greg Popovich is talking to his coaches. Tony Parker goes to him and Greg Popovich is about to walk over to the huddle and Tony Parker like stops him and says like, let me handle it. And he starts drawing it up in the huddle. That is not disrespect. That is a sign of an extremely autonomous, well-oiled machine. Yep. And so a lot of times, like when, you know, when I see my players talking to each other during the game and they're able to communicate like that, it makes me happy because I know that we're doing the right things. Like, when I see them coaching each other on what we need to do and I hear them like even saying like a key phrase that I've said, I like, you know, that gives me like the, the coach happiness where I'm like, okay, we're on this, like we're all in this. But, you know, if they're not talking or they're not on the same page or they're not able to like have those conversations with each other, that's, that's a sign too. And I think that, you know, the more people you have on your staff, not, not that we need a ton, but I think right now, I think, I think two coaches is a very, very good spot right now. I, I could be wrong and we might need more. But right now, I think that it was something that, not to say that I couldn't handle it, but it was, it's a lot. It's a lot to handle a team the way that I felt like I needed to handle the team. And to not have even anybody to bounce ideas off of besides the players is difficult. So when you have another person that you can just sit there that understands the game, and now I can say, hey, this is what I've been thinking about. Like, and it might be crazy, but all of a sudden he's like, wait, let's try to make this work. And now I can bounce that idea off him before I bring it to the players. It makes me more thorough. It makes the idea more thorough and we can present it in a better way. So, I mean, some of the stuff that we were doing at the major, like I, it was insane. Like if I would have tried to do that before without having that plan in place, it would have been extremely difficult to present. Yeah. You talk about like staffs. I could see it going up to like three head coach analyst and then a mental coach. Yeah. And that, that being your staff. And then it almost becomes a, 
it's it's not so much of a I'm trying to be like they're only hiring a coach. It turns into we're hiring this staff. You have specialized roles, and, right? You have specialized staff. So that's that's great, right? And then it becomes like whenever someone hires a head coach, say in the NFL or the NBA, what always ends up happening? Oh, the it, the front office gets cleaned out because they're bringing in their guys, and then yep. that was part of the package and why they hired that head coach because they were going to bring their guys to the team. Yep, and that's and that's what I've been talking about with Kev. You know, Kev is he's phenomenal and he's always said that you know i want to be with you like this is like this is our thing and uh, you know again i have nothing but respect for kevin like, he's one of my favorite human beings ever and like just the amount of respect that he's shown even just in saying that like i would take him anywhere i went it doesn't matter like that's my guy and it, it's the same thing with like the nfl like you you bring over you know a head coach he's like hey here's my offensive coordinator i need my defensive coordinator because he knows what they do and it, it, that's a machine. You're hiring a machine system to help get a team ready. And I think, again, it's great. I love it. That's wild to think about. That, that's, I could see Rocket League going to that. And that's probably the direction as far as coaching and staff is. Like that, that's how it probably does need to go to, to to have it make sense moving forward. Yeah, I think so too. I. For right now, for right now, I think that some head coaches are very, very good at their job. And I think that some yeah. teams need less coaching. Okay. And they're, they're like, you know, if I was coaching a different team, I might handle it completely differently. But I know what this team needs. And I know what, um, I don't know what other teams need. You know, only the coaches and the players know what they need. But um, I think that we're just in a really, really good spot right now with um, the direction of where coaches need to be. I think like at the major, I saw more coaches working with their guys than I thought I would have ever like have ever seen. And you might think like, damn, like Greg, that's crazy. But I learned a lot about how other coaches talk to their players too. Because some coach, I'm telling you guys, some coaches do not talk to their players. But they, they probably don't talk to their co- players. They probably talk at their players. Yeah. But there are some coaches that have the respect of their players one hundred percent. And it's good to see, like, you know, Sad Jr. is one of them that I, I gained a ton of respect for. I, you know, he was in the practice room behind us. I, dude, I heard them going to work. And I was like, that, that it made me happy. I was like, that, that's great. Because then, you know, those are all young kids in there. And, like, now they have somebody to look up to and, and talk game plans with. And you see why they're successful. That's why they're consistent. Because they have somebody leading the helm that has that team talking. So. Oh, that's really good to hear. I would, yeah, I would be so curious to actually see that in action at a LAN. Just because I, I think this is, all of us who grew up playing basketball, football, baseball, we all experienced, you know, practice and coaching. But from an esports side of it, it's still, you tell somebody, I'm coaching a person playing a video game. And it's like, makes no sense. Yeah, how, how are you doing that? What are you guys doing? I just caught up with one of my friends today. And she was like asking me, like I hadn't talked to her in like three years. And she's like, Oh, what are you doing? And I was like, Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, but you need to keep an open mind and understand what I'm saying. Cause it's 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 hard. You know, people like, you know, I went to I knew her for all my life. But you know, when people there's a ton of people like unlike us that are offline. So when they hear about this stuff, they're like, Okay, so what do you do? But it's it, insane to explain it to people. Here? Yeah, it's like, well, so they pay you? 
or you have another or the common one you have another job <laughs> no no like this is what i do like so like I, i've been asked like multiple times this year oh so what else do you do oh, oh. like i don't think you get it like this is insane like this is an insane amount of work that you have to put in and you know the pay is good so you don't work you do this yeah that's yeah it's super interesting and then we like for buck and i this is a topic that we always end up coming back to is coaching and how it all works in the background because i think that's what we find the most interesting about all of it is just want to know how the machine works it's different for every team i think i mean i'm sure it is but you know it yeah it's it's interesting to see how other teams work too, right? Because, you know, I think that some of what I do is pretty unorthodox. I think that some of what other teams do is probably, in my head, pretty unorthodox. But it, it all depends on the individuals, right? Like coaching the same, you know, different people the same way is stupid in my head. But, you know, you have a certain person that you have to coach a certain way. And then, you know, the group then reflects those personalities. You have to coach a group the different way. So, yeah. Nope, you're 100% right. It's kind of like uh, the story always with Bob Knight when he was coaching the Olympic team. His whole thing was he would find the best player and point out something that they were doing wrong. And the person on that team yep. for him that year was Michael Jordan. And he was like, God damn it. Like he was trying to find something and going to halftime and he's like, I got it. Goes in his at halftime and he, you know, they're winning, they're doing really good, but what does he do? He rips Jordan up and down for not setting a screen. You're not screening anybody out there. You're not helping your teammates. And then what does Jordan do? He goes back on the floor at the start of the second half and sets the biggest screen on somebody that he can and bow, like throws them over. And he just turns around and goes, you happy? And it's like, well, fuck. Uh, I've, I've done my job as a coach. Like the yep, message yep. was received. And it's good to see players respond like that too. Because I think great, great players, like seriously, I'm talking great players want to be coached. It, they may yeah. come off to you like you're like, hey, like, I don't know if I want to like, you know, somebody like AJ, you know, he is one of those personalities that he has an intimidating personality. When I first met him, I was like, oh, Jesus, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But, you know, he responds in different ways, but he wants to be coached. He wants to get better. Like at the end of the day, that is a kid that wants to win. So you have to find the way to reach like you have to get through. to him. And I think that there's a lot of players, even like Michael Jordan. You know, you might be intimidated by the fact that that's the go and he's doing all this stuff right. And you might tell him something that it's going to throw him off, but he wants you to tell him what he's doing wrong. He might not respect you right away. He might tell you, he might give you the middle finger, but he heard you. <laughs> and if what you said worked, he might come back to you and say, Hey, uh, how do I do this? And then you're in. And right. that's just how it's just coaching in general. You're not always going to please everybody and you're going to have players. And, you know, there's times it's not like, you know, any team, there's every team that I've ever been a part of has all, we've always been in verbal disagreements, always. And it's, that's elite. I love that. Like, I love getting into it with my players because I know that they're listening to me and they're disagreeing with it. So they're thinking about what I'm saying. They may disagree with it, but I'm challenging their brain. They're challenging mine. Boom. Now we have a logical, like, we have a conversation that's going to take us somewhere. We're both going to learn from it. And we're bettering ourselves. Me and AJ talk about it all the time. Like sometimes me and AJ will get at each other's throats. And then Reynolds will say something like, oh, no, you guys are fighting. And then me and Edge will be like, no, we're bettering ourselves. And it's like, that's it. You know it. Oh, man. What you got, Bucky? I know you see you're cooking up something over there. 
Uh, no, I was just going back through some of the topics that you had had put, and I know you mentioned this briefly um, with the T-Bait stuff, but did we really go over him what he said about <laughs> no, we players didn't. and pro players? I was just curious if we wanted to touch on that real quick. So we... what, what T-Bait stated yeah. in the First Touch podcast, because they were talking about bubble players and who's a bubble player and who's not, and par- I am paraphrasing yep. that his base he basically stated that if you're not in the top eight you're a bubble player if you're not okay. if your team is not in the top eight then you're you're a bubble team because he okay. was basing off of the old rlcs setup and rls um which was eight and eight which makes sense but it's like eh, in this day and age you kind of they kind of took that whole standard away when they went to the open circuit yep. like now it's really the if you're getting paid you're a pro this is the thing i think that people were mad at that statement okay because it is a challenge of people's status if you call somebody a bubble player depending on what you mean if you say you're a bubble player and you're talking about their skill okay maybe that's what he means right but if you're talking about a bubble player and you're talking about professionalism you know a bubble player what if he's making 7k a month what if he's making you know Seventy thousand dollars a year, eighty thousand dollars a year. Is that a bubble player? No, but what if he's talking about your skill? Okay, so let's just say you call somebody a bubble player, and they're like, "No, nah, hell no! I've been grinding for this for so long. This is my status." And they're pissed, not because he was called, but they're pissed at the idea of what they think it is. And I think that's the interesting conversation. I don't think you know competitively a bubble player to me is you know seventeen through whatever. 17 through 30, 17 through 24, I don't care. Whatever you want to call it. But, you know, professionally, if you're getting paid and you can make a living off of what you do, you're a professional. Right. You could be a bubble player professional, but competitively, is being a bubble player is different than being a bubble player. Like, like amateur and professional is a, is a, that's a very, very like easy line. Are you an amateur? not making money or a professional making money. But we start saying, are you a professional or a bubble player? What is that even? We're not even talking about the same thing. We're talking about one person. You can be a professional bubble player. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not mutually exclusive. Right. I think we, I think a lot of people in the last year got hung up because the conversation has always been the bubble scene, like players that are almost making it into, um, into region and into regionals their their teams they're they're always on teams that are super close so they're on the bubble but like you just said if if you're that person who's on the bubble but you're making money then you're a professional you're not an amateur anymore it needs to yeah there needs to be a division between professional professional and amateur and bubble is something completely separate from those it's not on the same spectrum right it's funny because being called a bubble player, like if you call, okay, so like if a pro is talking to a pro and they call them a bubble player, okay, that is an insult. That is a competitive jab at what they do. Yeah, he called Squishy a bubble, a bubble player. player. Right, but that, and that's a jab. And yeah. it, I love teammates, but that's a jab. So that being said, that challenges what Squishy has accomplished already. So he's basically saying, I don't know who the hell he's calling bubble player. Because, you know, he's a world champion, number one. Number two, he's, you know, paid. So, again, but when you put it on the line of professional bubble, that line doesn't exist. So we're sitting there going, oh, he's saying I'm not a professional? No. 
I, I don't know. But calling somebody maybe not at the skill level of a professional player is a different story. And even that is still, that's a jab. But if a pro player called anybody, you know, if they said, oh, he's a bubble player, dude, that, that's a jab. So I think that that word in general for some people is not a, uh, it's not a compliment. For some people it is. You know, if you, if you said something that was like an amateur that you're like, oh, that's a bubble player. They're like, hell, hell yeah, I am. But if you call a pro that's making money a bubble player, that is an insult. Right. If you already crossed the threshold, then to have someone try and pull you back, yeah, that's going to be yeah. taken as an insult. It's, yes. It has a bad connotation to it. Which I think is funny. I, I think that, you know, I, one of my favorite things, like when I hear like another pro call a pro a bubble player, it makes me laugh. But... <laughs> I know, like, I know how funny that is to say, but I also know that, like, you know, even if they, like, laugh it off, it pisses them off. You know, like, Rettles is one that, like, he'll just start talking about, like, the other day he was on stream talking to Abjack and Chronic about, like, you know who you remind me of? And then he was just naming seriously, like, not good players, okay? <laughs> but then it got to the point where he was, like, trying to find, like, ranked players, right? And then they just kept going at it, and it just, it was hilarious. But they keep going at it, and it's like, dude, you can tell, like, it's funny, but, like, they low-key mean it a little bit. Right. And that goes back to this. That's the storylines that we need. Yeah. That's, that's the best part of our eSport is the personalities. It's the storylines of, you know, talking about things we all know. It could be a bubble player, like, comparing, you know, Abjack to some ranked bubble player. That's hilarious. Like, and we all know the joke because we know that that bubble player is somebody that we have on our radar, too. But right. comparing it to Appjack, it's like, holy hell, like, no, there's no way. But that's what makes the joke funny. And I think, you know, what T-Bates was doing on First Touch, people always want to get on T-Bates, but he's just creating a conversation. When you take it a step further, he did put it on a public platform. Like, it's, and, you know, I've talked to him privately about it. It's You put it on a public platform, but you also got to know that's his job. Right. Like, I, what baffles me, does. it's more funny to watch this demographic knowing what they do what they watch and what they don't watch right so yep. like us the three of us we know who he's emulating he oh 100 he is emulating Stephen a smith to the max and it's yeah. hilarious to and, me, and that's what it's like dude I, and I, I put out a tweet the other day and i was like guys t bates is gonna say something about your team at one point or another T Bates is going to look at Optic, which he has, and been like, they are terrible. They're horrible. <laughs> and guess what? Am I going to sit there and be like, I hate T Bates as a human being? Hell no. That's my guy forever. Like, I, I love him as a brother for real. But his job is to criticize me. Correct. He's, he's playing a character. Yep. He, you, you have sometimes, to, you have to sometimes, have sometimes. <laughs> so I'm not going to lie, guys. He means it. <laughs> okay sometimes he means what he's saying and and by sometimes i mean a lot like if you ever get into an argument with t-bates you'll be sitting there in the call wishing you were never in that call because you're like what are we even talking about anymore <laughs> oh that's hilarious uh, yeah no he yeah he's gonna say something he especially if especially if you leave the opportunity open for him to do it it's like it becomes its own little game right yep it's Oh, you don't want him to say something about you? Then don't give him a reason. Yep. And, well, and, and a I brand for himself, though. I mean, oh, yeah, he all does. Comes, it's full circle, guys. Like, when you get, we're talking about him. 
We're yeah. just talking yeah. about him, right? That's all it takes. We're talking about him. So he's doing his job. When you guys get with your friends, do you argue? Yes. Do you debate? Yeah. You yeah. have to. You have to. Okay. And I think that it's funny because when I get with my friends, not only do we debate, we yell. Like it like starts off, we all love each other. We're like, yo, it's my boy. And then all of a sudden somebody says something and you're like, you are an idiot. And then it just goes <laughs> on and you can start tracing it back. And it's like, it could be about a sports topic. It could be about anything, but you just yell and you only argue with people that you really, really love and like. So like sometimes you can meet somebody and you never want to argue with them because you're like, oh, I'm not trying to get into that. But if you really get comfortable with them, if you want to test that bond and you want to make sure that you guys are good, you're arguing, like you'll start arguing. And I think T Bates is from the same era that we are where it's like, he wants to, he wants to get to know you. Okay. He's going to know what makes you tick. And then he's going to argue with you about something, call you an idiot. And that's how he gets with you. Like that's, that's the way he bonds. So you got to yell at T Bates and tell him he's an idiot. And then he loves it. He's like, and then he's going to want to come back and do it again. Right. That's him. Yeah. And so I think some people don't, he's just misunderstood. And that's why like that whole conversation that was happening on Twitter, it made me so mad. Cause I was like, y'all just don't know T Bates. Like he's, he's told every single team in RLCS that they're terrible. Every single one of them has been I'm terrible. I'm pretty sure he has. Yeah. So you, you can't just get mad if he called you out as a player. He needs a good sparring partner. That's, and that's what he's looking for. Yeah. He wants somebody to yell at him. He oh, wants 100%. somebody to like prove his points. And cause you know, even when he gets disproven, he starts laughing a little bit and I'm like, well, and then you hear him with another insane counterpoint. And you're like, okay, I mean, where are we at? Now yeah, I, I was sitting there watching that first touch episode and I was just laughing. I'm like, he is the king of double talk. And it is yeah, beautiful to watch. It's great. I, and that's what I, again, that's what I love about teammates. But these players need to stop. Like, I, I love when we talk about the game like that. Okay. Bubble players, pro players, coaches, orgs. Let's all talk about what's a bubble player, whatever. Especially with teammates. It's hilarious. But you got to learn that when T-Bates says something, sometimes he's doing it because it's going to get a reaction out of you. When you put Daniel number one on that list, I approached <laughs> him about it at LAN. I said, bro, you put Daniel number one on the list. He said, uh-huh. Cause, cause yep. I want to talk about him. He wasn't, he said, he wasn't number one on my list. I said, yes, he was. He said, no, no, no. I just put him first on the list. Cause I want to talk about him last. <laughs> I'm like, what dude? <laughs> uh, but like, that's but that's the thing that you're dealing with. And it's like, he means well, he wants everybody to, like have those like genuine conversations and he's great for our esports. So I don't care what anybody says. Like if, if you got some like a problem with teammates, you got your own issues. Seriously. Oh yeah. There's no personal problems at all. I love like everything he's yeah. has done is fantastic. It's just, yeah, there's sometimes it's like, damn it. You, you weren't supposed to be able to spin that one. And you did. No, I know. And he loves when he spins it. He, he looks at everybody yep. there and they're all like, they all just sit there and they're like, no way. What Papa Rizzo says to be fair, T Bates was really hurting, heartbroken after that. That kid has the he biggest was. heart. Oh, I'm he sure. Yeah. He's dude. That's yeah. Again, he's the he is somebody that, you know, he's doing what he's doing because he want he loves again, T Bates loves the attention. He loves all that stuff, but he never wants people to dislike him or think that he's being ill willed about it. Because that's not at all what he's trying to do. So I think that what hurt him the most is that people took it that way. Right. And people were like, oh, T-Bates is like slandering me. And he's like, never. Because that was the thing that made him the most mad. If you look at that conversation that he had with him and Sosa, he said, never slander. Never. Because he was like, y'all are getting like legal terms confused. I never slandered. 
He's just saying that was his opinion. And people were saying, oh, T Bates is like mean and he's like calling all these people like shit. And it's like, dude, not at all. Not at all. The man's not, not trying to become a lawyer for no reason at all. No, he that's a skill that that's... he's developed with over time. Oh yeah. Super smart. Well, man, what a great conversation this has been. Bucket, you got anything else? No, it's it's it was a pleasure the first time. It's even more now. I feel like we're old buddies, if you can't say <laughs> old, because since we've all expressed our sentiment with how we've how we've aged. But um yeah, anytime you want to come give us the scoop or just have a conversation, man, we're more than willing to have a conversation with you. You, you bring insight, you bring some maturity to the game, you bring some really cool stories and uh ideas. So again, this is the kind of thing that I that we live for in this hobby for the lack yeah. of a better word that right. we have here <laughs> for our for our content. It's it is one thing, but we're also just like super interested and engaged in in all the things that have to do with it and and you have really good um awareness about yourself and the teams and Man, you really did take that team from, again, I mean, we talked about it last time a little bit more, but uh, not a bunch of misfits, but a, a bunch of people who were kind of scrappy and didn't really know what their place was and, and gave them something to fight for and really put them into gear and got them going. And I think you guys made a huge statement, and I couldn't be prouder of what you guys did. So hopefully we'll see you guys in the future soon. I mean, who knows now when it's going to be yeah. but, um, competing again at that level. I think well, you guys be, will be. They'll be at Saudi, right? Yeah, we will. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, sir. yeah. That's right. And, you that's know, I, I love what you guys do, too. Like, seriously, like, I, I would never come on here if I didn't love talking to you guys. Seriously, like, and I'm sorry that I derailed the conversation sometimes because I know we were supposed to talk about, like, consolidation and, like, what teams are supposed to do. And, like, we did not touch on that even a little bit. So that's next right. time I come on, listen, dude. Y'all steer the conversation. I, I'm just a, I just wanted to be here to like, you know, ride the train that you guys are on. No, we enjoy the conversation. If we wanted it to go a different way, we would stop it and make it go that way. So we appreciate okay. the heck out of you, Greg. Yeah, I, I totally you, said before, whenever uh, <laughs> Hoosier sent me a message with like a little breakdown, here's some topics. And I said, I'm perfectly content sitting back and just listening to Greg talk. I said <laughs> I that it. like hours I, ago. I, I because it's it's yeah. makes me like I I learn so much and it's just engaging. I really like it. I hate that I do that though. Nope. I hate you know that you guys are about to send each other topics and you're like, Greg's just gonna go off. That's perfect. Because that's just what I do. I, I can't help it. Yeah, it works for I, us. I, I love it. <laughs> makes my job easy. All right. Well, no, we no, hope seriously, guys, I'm it. glad you guys yep. didn't ask me any questions about you know the offseason stuff. That's great. Super content with that. Now we can just leave it at a great conversation. And yeah, at that's, this point, what we're awesome, finding man. like it, it's we just it's more of wanting people just to come on and and talk about how they feel yeah. about seeing what's going on. Like I'll leave that stuff to to T Bates and all of them to go figure out with their insiders and everything of what is going on. So yeah. If if yeah. if we ever end up in that position, then yeah, things will change. But no, right right now, it's just all about chatting with people in Rocket League. No reason. That's to dope. Oh, that's dope. I, I I respect it. And do you guys have any like takes on like what you want to see from NA? Um, that's the one thing I want to know from you guys. So my here's my big prediction. We talked about money and everything that's going on. I really feel like with V1 not making it to the major and then now not making it to worlds 
Um, and, and if the rumor of the five month break is to be true, um, I think FaZe Clan is in a bad spot org wise when it comes to money. And I think they will try and sell off. They will sell off first killer's contract and V1 will pick that up. And then Com will be on the move again. Cause I think Com is in a, in a lose, was in a lose, lose situation going into spring. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, yeah, I agree with you about the comp situation. That's just, I think that, you know, you talk about a great kid and yep. like great family, everything. Like, it's just, he was in a situation where as soon as Daniel came on that team, he was a ticking time bomb. Yes. I, I don't know. I, to be fair, I don't know. Like, he could be on that team. Maybe they want to try to run it back. I don't know. But it, it looked from the outside like it was like, uh oh. It like, looked like the long term. Cause, like, how kind of like they t- uh, said on first touch, was it a failure? And like, some, uh, Corelli and all of them were saying and achieves, they were like, it depends if it was a one-time thing or is it a long-term and to yep. me that just kind of set it into my brain for sure and i've been saying this for a little bit now of it's a long-term thing if anything we've seen from rocket league teams everybody wants to play with their friends everybody knows that beast mode daniel and first killer are per, sounds like they're pretty good buddies and first killer hasn't been able to have the success that he's looking for so at this point if he could go team up with those two um, if there's an org that has the money to pay them, I would say it's V1. Yeah, that, I, I like, I agree. I think that that that's all. I just the main thing that I I care about is I hope that you know Com is you know he lands on his feet, continues to grind. He's a great player. He's a phenomenal player. Yes. I just I hope that we don't. I hope that NA doesn't go into it, which we are we're going to. I can feel it. I hope we don't go into a panic. And just start being like, okay, everything needs to blow up because I don't think we're as far removed from Europe as people think we are. I think that if you look at like, you know, history, like Corelli's bringing up some great stats on that first touch thing where he's talking about the win percentages and stuff. And that's true. But we had better majors in the win- in the winter and fall. Overall, overall, that's why we had seven spots going into spring and they had five. Right. Okay. But they had one extremely, extremely dominant major and it took everything away. It did. But but I still think that as a region, I'm not talking about, you know, nationalities or as a region right now, including complexity, including Furia, including Gen G, NA is an extremely deep region that people like it's like if you keep sleeping on it, they are gonna consolidate and you're not gonna like what happens. Because I think that the talent over here is insane. Yes. Like that, maybe Americans need a little bit of wake-up calls. And I'll, and I'll say, we do. Americans need a wake-up call. But <laughs> the actual like talent, when you like look around at the landscape, is insane. Yeah, we have a good buddy, uh, Jaysu. He's coached uh, numerous bubble teams. He uh, tends to stay with, like, uh, was it? It's Buffy and Five Up. He has coached them a oh, ton. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's two, the, those are two players. It's like at some point, those guys are going to get their shot. And like seeing, talking with him a ton and seeing a lot of those players, it's like as soon as one of them gets their chance and if they can fit into a role, it, yeah, NA is going to be back, is going to, I think, give EU some trouble. Do you think that NA has talent? Oh, 100%. Bubble talent. Yes, I I think there's a lot of talent. I don't. I, I think we're in a bubble scene struggles. If anything, that Bucket and I have learned in the last year and a half in doing this 
is that they just they're they're raw talent. They're not Yeah. They're not they haven't been focused and have them like really set in on the game and get to that professional mindset. It's just they're good. Yeah. And that's what they keep writing on right now. Is I'm just good. I just needed my shot. And it's like like we have all talked about today. It's well, no, there's more that comes with it than just having a shot and like there there's just there's more tangibles that you you need to build before you get that shot or else you're just you're going to flame out. I agree. I think that right now that NA to be honest with you is in a little bit of a talent drought. I I'm going to be completely honest okay. with you. But but at the top, like that's why like I hate the conversation about recycled pros. I hate that. Because the pros, when you look at them compared to the other ones, like compared to the bubble kit, it's not close. But there are certain talents that are coming up that I think are very, very good. They need time. They need a chance. But my thing is that I hate when people will sit there and say like, oh, a top four NA team needs to pick up insert bubble player here. It's like, that's not how life works. (laughs) That's not how this goes. Like not everybody just comes out of the scene and they're Zen. Right. Not everybody comes out of the scene and they're Daniel. If there if there was, we would know, but they're not. So you could take a chance, but it has to be they have to work their way up first. Get onto a team that's like maybe you know ten through sixteen, ball, elevate them, move again. That's how you do it. But you can't just sit there and expect phase to be like you know what we need, um, hmm, and then like nineteen hundred bubble player. No, not at all. Right. And so I think that if there is a consolidation in NA, you're going to see a lot of hate it recycled people but forming teams and right now teams with synergy like i was telling you guys last time teams with synergy just like space station optic the the teams were the ones that made it it wasn't the talent it was the teams the teams in eu are the strong ones they have a system they're talented and they're synergistic their team i think i think that's where if i'm adjusting my statement more to okay they they need to focus more is that if anything we've learned from NA mobile scene in the last year, they don't make it. Everybody just breaks up. Yep. I need a new team and, or, or they, they get committed to a team. And then at the, at the midnight hour, Oh, Hey guys, I'm not playing with you. These guys said that I could go play with them. Bye. And yep. so then now if I'm, if I am one of the, the top orgs with top teams, okay, I've watched you do that. How do I know that as soon as we hit a rough patch, you're not going to try either, you're not going to try and jump ship or you're just going to start sandbagging just to make us release you? Well, it's tough because with orgs too, like they, I don't even think they worry about it because it's like contractually, what are you going to do? <laughs> you can sit there back, like, oh, I'm right. going to go play with uh, NRG. Okay. But if it's but if it's controlled by the players, right? Like if anything we've learned, the players pick who's going to come on the team. Then the players are not going to let the org give a contract to that person. They're going to be like, "No, I don't trust that guy." That's true. That's true. That's one hundred percent true. And that's why. And that's why I, you know, I've had conversations with a few bubble players. Like I'm talking about quite a few about like they're like, "What do I need to do?" And it's like, you need to get your stuff together because if <laughs> if a player th- if a pro player thinks that you are unreliable why would that pro player put you on his team correct because you're building trust at that point like that's all this is is that you're just building trust with each other and if you can't build that trust like if you don't have the trust from the get-go 
then why would some guy just be like, oh, he's really good. I'm just going to put him on my team. Hopefully he doesn't, you know, sketch on me. That's not how this works. This is, you have to build a trust first and you have to respect these pros because these pros are seriously fighting for you to be on the team. If they don't want to fight for you, why would they put you on the team? Correct. And I think that's where bubble players, like I, I see a lot of them on Twitter. Like if I just got my chance, like do they, yep. and they need to take a chance on bubble players. It's like, guys, guys, you need to go about it a little bit differently because they're not going to give you a chance doing that. I promise. Yeah. It's not just playing. It's, it's no longer just sitting in your room playing rocket league on a Friday night and you're just doing ridiculous things with your buddies. It's, it's a job now. And it's a job interview. And there's other people that are relying on you yep. for their livelihood as well. Yep. And if you suck or you are unreliable, they lose their money. Yes. It's like, it's like it's it's a job interview, seriously. And like and sometimes like I was even telling the one the one player, your job interview sometimes isn't ranked. And like you might not want to hear it, but I'm telling you that these players are looking at you. If they mm-hmm. get you on their team and they're like, Oh, we're gonna win, cool. That's a good positive start. But that's not the end all be all. Just because you won in a twos game with, you know, AJ doesn't mean AJ's like, you know what I need? This guy. <laughs> he might look at it and go, Wow, I really like this player, but you have to impress him further than that. Correct. And that it's just a, it's your foot in the door. But if you start, you know, being toxic or you start, you know, dogging on people, they don't have to let you in. Exactly. They don't. Nobody owes you, you know, they don't owe you anything. And I think that's the true problem in NA right now is that there are, I, I don't want to say gatekeepers, but it's There's tough because, yeah, but I don't think anybody's like purposefully saying we're not going to give bubble ta- like talent a chance because he's a bubble player. It's more that it's a trust thing. It's like, do I trust this person on my team? And sometimes, actually more often than not, probably 90% of the time, the answer is no. Like I said, I hate when people say that, you know, we don't give talent a chance. Dignitas with Drees, us with Magic Bear, Shopify with Parth and Two-Piece. Like, it's not true. But they, they want FaZe to pick up, you know, a, a top 50, like, twos leaderboard player. That's not how it works. And sometimes when they do do that, it, it works out terribly. It's not like every single time, like this is like a 100% sex success rate of like a bubble player being put on a team and it's now they're top four. Right. So that's my take on it. I hope that the consolidation thing that happens though, I hope everybody just remembers that it doesn't matter how many talented players you have on a team. If they do not know how to work together, it doesn't matter. You could have, you know, the best three players in the world but if they don't understand their roles and they don't know what to do, then a team that is well-oiled and synergized will destroy them. I think you nailed it. And that's a perfect endpoint. Um, yeah, anybody tuning in to listen to us, we appreciate you as always. Greg, dude, you're the best. And uh, we will catch you all next time. Have a good one.